the unlikely harvester. As she walked over and looked out the window, she saw the sun high in the sky. And she knew it was near the sixth hour of high noon. It was going to be another hot day, and there wasn't going to be a very good breeze to break the heat. She knew that that was the best time to go to the well to draw water. The heat made the trip down the dusty road very difficult and almost unbearable. She would have much rather gone in the morning when the sun was down and the air was cool and the birds were singing. But she didn't have the choice. You see, that's when the other women went to to draw the water and she couldn't face the stares and the whispers and the cold shoulders treating her as scum, shouting cruel things. And at times, they would just ignore her and she wouldn't even have a glimpse. They wouldn't even talk to her at times. She had been at one time one beautiful woman with flowing hair and sparkling brown eyes. But the years had gone by and it wasn't kind to her, aging beyond her years, leaving deep scars within her soul. She had struggled through five unsuccessful marriages and now was living with a man. How did my life get so messed up? This is not how I dreamed things would be, she said. As she cried herself at sleep at times. She felt so alone. And even though she lived in a city and was surrounded by many people, she felt all alone. Like she wasn't even there. And no one noticed her. No one reached out to her. Many times she wondered, what is the use of going on? This is all my life will be. As she left her small little house that morning, she carried much a heavier load than just the water jar. But she had no idea what was about to happen. So we go to the Samaritan field. John 4, 37, John 4, 3 through 7. Jesus left Judea and parted again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria so he can come to a town that was called Shekar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary as he was on his journey, he sat down beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which was noon. You know what's interesting? He knew the time and he knew the hour. And even though she rescheduled her life to come at noon instead of nine o'clock in the morning so she wouldn't have to bear any more pain, he scheduled his life to her. Sometimes you even reschedule your life, but he schedules your life. Listen. Jesus was coming to establish a new thing. The conflict between Jerusalem and Shekar debate was soon to be obsolete. Listen to this. Going through Samaria is the shorter route taken by travelers, but ones usually never went that route because Jesus, 
Because the Jews thought Samaritan was unclean and avoided defilement. So they wouldn't pass Samaria. But it was a shorter route to get to where they needed to go. But they wouldn't go there because there was intermarriage. Because there was racial... I'm just going to go somewhere. So they would bypass that because they thought they were dogs. And they thought there was defilement. So they wouldn't want to go there. That's exactly where Jesus wanted to go. That's exactly where the harvest needed to be. Jesus was going to usher in a new era. He was going to usher in a new thing. And he was going to break all that was held captive to that city. In one woman. One woman that had pain. One woman that had scars. One woman that had went through all these marriages. And he was going to break an error. He was going to break a city. Verse 9 says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for me a drink? How could you be the one that's going to ask me for a drink? Isn't it funny that he took all the disciples and he said, I need you to go get food. Why would it take 12 disciples to go get food for Jesus? Because he wanted to get them out of his way. Sometimes you've got to get people out of your way so you can get to the harvest where you need to be. So he said, I need you to go get food so I can get to this place. Everybody passed Samaria. They didn't want to go through Samaria because they thought it was defiled and because there was intermarriage. Jesus was coming to establish something new. He was ushering in a new era and breaking strongholds that held a city captive. Huh. See, she didn't know that day that when she came down and came out of her house and knew it was going to be the hottest day of the time at noon. Desert. Dirt. But that's the only time that she thought that she could go to do what she needed to do to get the water that she thought she needed to get. And Jesus stopped her and said, Can you give me a drink? <laughs> and what did she say? How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews to have no dealings with us. Why would you ask me for a drink? Why would you talk to a woman? He knew all that. He knew that this was going to be a setup at this time. He knew that he was going to break an era in that city. He knew that there was a harvest in there. He knew that there was pain. Jesus is going to use the unlikely harvester. 
She was the unlikely harvester to bring a harvest to a city. Verse 10 and 11. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who is this that's asking you to give you a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is so deep. Where do you get this living water? If you only knew the gift of God that's in front of you. See, what's something is he really didn't need that water. But you know what? He's all God and all human. Come on, somebody. It said that he was weary and he sat down at the well. He was waiting on the unlikely harvester. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. What? The water that I will give will become a spring of water welling up, will become an artesian water well bubbling up in you. Some of you are so thirsty. But see, the water that he's going to give is living water. Isaiah 12, 13, Isaiah 12, 3 says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Some of you haven't been drawing from the well, drawing from that well of salvation. With joy you will. And she's over and over pulling on this water, trying to get enough water to go take it all the way back with a heavy load, trying to get back to her family, trying to get back to water her animals, trying to get to, she's thirsty, she's tired, she's exhausted. And she can't just face people in her city because... They're disgusted with her. They called her scum. They called her a dog. John 7, 38 says that he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, that out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Do you understand who's standing in front of you of the gift of God? the living water. Verse 15. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never thirst or have to come to draw water again. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. He knew she didn't have a husband. But see, sometimes God will put something right in front of you to see if you're going to tell the truth. He said, go. Call your husband and come here. 
And that woman answered him and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in your sayings. You said right in your sayings, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you said is true. And see, sometimes God wants us to know that he wants to put something in front of us to see if we're going to tell the truth about what he's saying. Don't let people count you out. Don't let people count you out because you have a complicated past. Jesus preserves your future. Don't let people count you out. Just because you have a complicated past, Jesus preserves your future. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter the pain that you've had. He's going to meet you at the well. And not only was he going to meet her at the well, he was going to destroy everything that held captive to that city. It was going to be a new era. It was going to be a new time. Because you don't want to go to Samaria. You don't want to go where they are. They're defiled. They intermarry. You don't want to be there. And so for years and years and years and hundreds of years, that's all they heard is don't go there. Have you ever had somebody not want to come and talk to you? Don't go there. But here's Jesus going to go sit down at the well at noon. He knew exactly what time he was coming there. He knew exactly what time she was going to be there. And see, sometimes you think that God's not there in the right time of you, but he's sitting at the well waiting on the unlikely harvester to come down with her jar. And you might be trying to pull water and trying to pull water and you might be trying to do things for your family and for other people and your job. It doesn't matter what you've been through. He'll touch your future. He'll touch your city. Verse 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. She's looking right at him. You ever just looked right at him? You just looked right and you knew it, but you still didn't know it was him. You've heard of him and you've known by other people and what they've said. She said, I know that the Messiah is coming and who he is called is Christ. And when he comes, I will tell all things. He will tell all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You're looking right at the Messiah. So 
So here she's thinking, okay, now who is this? Is this a prophet? He's telling me all things that he knew all about me. He said, I am he. Can you imagine him looking right at you and you've been struggling for years and years and years and you know he talked to you about everything that happened to you. He's watched you all, the, all your life. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake. He's watched you all your life. He knew all about her. Well, I've heard, she said, that the Messiah is coming. I've heard that he's going to come. See, because they still loved God in Samaria. That was Jacob's well. Everybody came there to get their water. You know, what's interesting is I remember when I was in Africa and I said, I, I really don't want to go to places that you know, they have these little hotels and they have these little places that are a little bit more nicer than the huts that they have in Africa. Come on. I said, when I go, I would really like to get to where they are. So I want to use a bucket and I want to use the water and I want to go find the water. And I want, boy, little did I know what I started to say and where I had to go and how thirsty I really got. I washed my hair in a bucket. I washed myself off in a bucket and for three weeks and there was times that we start getting low with water and I said is there a well anywhere where are we going to get the water and they said you have to walk it's a pretty long distance to get the water I said I'm, I want to do that I want to feel what they feel they said, no, 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 no. You can come into this place. This is a beautiful place. And you can sit here and you can stay here. And I said, I don't want to stay there. I want to stay where you are. I want to feel what you feel. See, sometimes we don't feel what they feel. So we just walk by it. And we walk by Samaria and say, oh, no, they're, they're just defiled. So you really don't want to go there. No, I want to go there. No, I want to reach my hand out to that. No, I want to feel that. I was an unlikely harvester. You have been an unlikely harvester. You have walked down that long road, sweating, hurting, been talked about. And here she's looking right at the Messiah. And he said, I am he. I can't imagine that moment. Like really, like. But I can imagine that moment because I've walked down that road. And when he said, I am he, and I really accepted him as my Lord and as my Savior. John 4, 28 through 30. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come and see a man which told me all things I ever did. Is he not the Christ? 
Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Oh. Isn't it interesting that when she ran out, she found out that she could leave her jar. She left the most important thing that she had. This was her supply line. Could you leave your supply line? This is everything that she had. This is what brought her out of her house. This is the place where she had to carry this heavy load. She wasn't just carrying a jar that was heavy. She was carrying a heavy load. And guess what she did? She left the load. She left the jar and ran into the city. How many of you have ran into the city to say that I have seen the Christ? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go in that neighborhood, man. You know, they're defiled. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be careful to where you go. None of them would have believed her when she walked through the city to get to the well. Nobody wanted to talk to her. Nobody cared about her. But when she ran and she seen the Messiah and she told them, they believed. What? What changed? The whole era changed. The whole city changed. Hundreds of years it was captive and Jesus is sitting at the well waiting on the ones in the city to run toward... Ay, 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 ay. One unlikely harvester. One person can change a whole city? Oh, no, I need to be with this team. And not saying that God doesn't do something in teams because God was doing something Thursday. Certain ones to hug, people coming up. Man, I've been really struggling. Right in the middle of the city. And that's not saying we don't do things as a team. But sometimes he uses just one person. And not only changing what God did with these people, but he literally changed a whole city. Could it be you? Could it, could it be you? You're unlikely. Would people believe you? They believed her words and were following her out of the city and coming to meet Jesus. What's powerful about that is God wants to use you. An unlikely person. Every one of us are unlikely. I'm not the same as you, Cheryl. Just not. But I'm no different than you are. You could be a servant of the Most High God. 
God can use you in a different way into different families than, than I could. But it's still unlikely. It's an unlikely harvest. She serves as a good example to all who truly desire to be a harvester for God. Not many would, be, would have picked her to be the harvester. I don't think anybody would have picked her to be the harvester. Did you hear? She'd been married five times. And she's living with a man. She's a dog. They said she was literally a dog. They said that she was scum. You ever been talked about? Doesn't feel good. So you had to reschedule your life, but God scheduled you? They would have never thought. From a human standpoint, she was more the unlikely harvester. From a human standpoint, you would have never known that Jesus wanted to meet her to do what he needed to do. Isn't it funny that the disciples came back and they go, what is he doing? I could just hear him. They didn't say it out loud to him. But I could just hear them whispering, going, what is he doing talking to that woman? It's not only a woman. It's a Samaritan woman. She's nothing but defilement. Now, here we are with disciples that's been following Jesus. Come on, somebody. And they're talking about her too. And here's Jesus has already been talking about her, about the, the living water and about him being the Messiah. And here they come that's been following him following Jesus as disciples and they're yakking and talking. Don't think that some of these disciples that you see are not yakking and talking. Somebody. Guess what they had? She left her jar and they had their jar of gossip. They couldn't see the harvest in front of them because they still believed what was going on in Samaria. But they've been following Jesus, but they still didn't see the harvest. Prejudice. So they're right dab in the middle of this harvest and they couldn't even see it. They've been walking with Jesus and still didn't see it. Because all they knew is what they heard over and over for years and years and years and years. And see, sometimes that can convince you. Come on. A father that says you ain't going to be worth nothing. Go sit down. You ain't worth nothing. You're scum. You're not worth nothing. You won't accomplish nothing. And you hear it over and over and over again. So you just convince yourself that that's exactly what's going to happen. But I'm proof that my husband's an unlikely harvester. I'm telling you. His stepdad would say, you're not going to be worth nothing. He said words that I can't say up here. You are not my son. You will not be worth nothing. 
he's an unlikely harvester. And when he realized that he didn't need to hear the words of that anymore and hear the words of the Messiah is standing right in front, I am he. Something changed. Not only changed in him, but changed in people. It's the most exciting thing about God, how he uses the most unlikely to accomplish his will and get his work done. He accomplishes his will and he gets his work done with unlikely things. When nobody else would believe, nobody talked to her in the city, but when she ran back, Everybody started coming out. People heard and believed and they ran and followed her. Oh, my Lord. Anybody following you to get to Jesus? Is anybody following you? Does anybody believe you that you have, you have met the Christ? And they're running out of the city to come to the well? Not a well of just water, but a well of living water. The well of salvation. And they ran. When Jesus on that hot sunny day in Samaria looked at the woman at the well, he said, she's the one. She'll take the gospel, the truth to her. Said, she's the one that I see coming down that dusty road. She's the one that I see that's on her last leg. She's the one. She's the one that's going to take the gospel to the city. God's the master at turning the unlikely. He's the artist of turning an ordinary to an extraordinary. She was an ordinary person and it become an extraordinary thing. You might be an ordinary person, but he is turning it to an extraordinary thing. She hid in her house. She didn't come out. She used to come out long time ago when she used to come with the women and the women started talking and started mocking and started laughing and taunting. And the more they kept doing it, the more hurt she was. And you know, I thought about it. I can't imagine what she's been through with five husbands. I can't imagine if there was abuse. I can't imagine things that she went through. And God spoke to me while I was studying this. And he said, he's going to heal some of you from divorce. Hey, you better hear me. He's going to heal some of you from pain. And from the heavy loads that have happened to you. Oh, the things that God can do in victories. God can win with a surrendered heart. The things that he can do. What about you? What kind of harvester are you? Do you feel like the unlikely harvester? Do you feel broken, talked about, 
hiding from everyone, really not being yourself, hurt with abandonment, rejection, hurt from divorce, laughed at. Are you an unlikely harvester? Is anybody following you? Thought about that. If we truly want to affect and be an effective harvester for God, we have to be like the woman at the well, and we have to leave our jar. Some of you have been carrying heavy weights with the jars. When the woman left her house that day, when she struggled down that hot, dusty road, that jar was very important to her. It was the jar that brought her out of her house and the jar that motivated her to endure the trip. But when she met Jesus and encountered the Savior, Savior things changed. The jar was no longer that important to her. He had become the most important thing to her life. When she put down her jar, she was declaring that he was the most important thing. And he was her supply line. He was her living water. See, when we put down the jar, and when he becomes the most important thing in your life, when he becomes the supply line of your life, things change. The weight don't seem so heavy anymore. I'm not sure what your jar is. We need to ask ourselves. It's a very serious question. What kind of harvester are you? Am I really for Jesus Christ? Be honest with yourself. Are you an unlikely harvester? Is Jesus really first in your life? are you one of the disciples and you still have the jar because all you've heard is about that isn't it something how gossip will try to keep you staying to turn your head to something and some of it is not even the truth when somebody comes to me at times I'm like no I want to hear from the horse's mouth I don't want to hear that I don't want to talk about that because then all of a sudden, I would be as bad as somebody else. And then I would have a jar, and I wouldn't be able to take Jesus to a city. I don't know what you need to leave behind today. It might be bitterness, unforgiveness, debt, pain. Material things, religion, carrying around the heavy jar you think is your supply line, loneliness, selfishness, addictions. The jar is so heavy. The obstruction 
It is obstructing your view of the harvest. God spoke to me and he said, there's ones that are carrying such heavy loads and heavy jars of weights. Some of you, even in your pain, even physically, that's become such a jar of pain that you can't even see the harvest in front of you. I'm not saying he's not going to heal you today. I don't know. That's his business. Some of you have unforgiveness, bitterness, selfishness. And he told me I, before I came in here, he said, there's addictions in that house. Some of you carry such heavy loads. And you've heard it over and over and over again, whether you've heard some things in your life. That always try to tap on you. I'm fatherless. How am I going to be a father? Here comes that tap. And it always, the enemy always tries to tap to magnify something. My marriage is falling apart. And you almost accept that heavy load. God said he heals, delivers, sets free. Is there a process? There is a process at times. And sometimes it's just miraculous. Some of you are carrying emotional load. Emotionally weary. Jesus was sitting at the well before the woman arrived. And as he looked over the town, he saw, as he looked over the town, he saw the harvest. He saw the needs. He heard the cries of the pain. And he sat down there waiting for the harvester. And he heard in a distant sound the feet approaching. And as he looked, he said, there's the one. There she is. She'll take that to the city. Of what God can do with just one. And I go back from last Sunday. He died on the cross. For souls. For the harvest. I don't know what these people were. That she ran to go get. And when they ran back to where Jesus was at the well. They, who knows what they had been through. Maybe some of them were the ones that were talking about her. Isn't it funny that God can heal right in front of you where somebody's been talking about you? And they become a whole region of people. And it broke a new era out into that city. They got to come and go after that because now all that's been broken of defilement and all that's been broken. Philip went in to Samaria and cast out demons. It said Philip walked in there to Samaria and it was already prepared and people got healed. People that were crippled, crippled 
laying on the ground got up. I'm about to shout. What if you're the one that's the unlikely harvester and Jesus and he come in front of you and you really realized who he was and you ran back to a city and people were healed and delivered and set free. Or you have the jar and you've been following Christ and you remember that so you, your view is obstructed because of what you remembered was something else. And you can't even see the harvest. And you've been walking with Christ. I don't want to be that. And isn't it something sometimes when somebody walks with Christ and they've been with Christ for a long time and then all of a sudden they just get used to things to say, oh, well, I'm just going to church. I've been serving the Lord for 50 years. And they ain't done a blessed thing. I'm probably going to get an email on that or I'm going to get a private message on that. That's okay. We ain't retired, Debbie. We're refired. God's doing something deep inside of our hearts and he wants us to see it. He said the harvest in Samaria fields are white. Do you not see it? Lift up your eyes and look now. Do you not see it? I was walking Thursday. I grabbed cards and I just started walking all the way through that place. And I said, oh, my Lord, God, these people, there's people that are so dark. They're dying and going to hell, God. Have we lost our passion to pray for the Lord of the harvest? Have we lost that? He said, here she comes. She's the one. Even though she was unlikely. And I went back to years ago when I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I said, man, I was unlikely, God. Unlikely. And then I stand here in my heart. And he said, here she comes. She's the one. Here he comes. He's the one. Jesus was sitting at the well. He's sitting in your neighborhood. He's sitting at your job. He's sitting at the school. He's sitting in your family. He's sitting here. He's sitting in this city. Uh, he's waiting on the harvesters. He's waiting for ones to get to the well where he's been sitting down. And he's not talking about that other water. He's talking about the living water. That'll never run dry. You'll never thirst again. He wants to release that living water in you. wants you to release your jar so he can release the living water in you. And you would hold that jar. You would hold that jar with everything you had because that's the only thing that you knew. 
I'm not going to pick that up because that's probably so heavy with all that water in it. And isn't it interesting that she tried and tried and tried to get her supply on her own schedule and God rescheduled her. Where's the Samaritan woman? Are you the Samaritan? Have you drug yourself all the way down to try to get to a... You didn't even know that Jesus was going to meet you there. And you surely didn't know that you were going to be the one that's going to transform a city. stand with me. Stand up. your jar I want you to come if you need to just come down and leave your jar your weight to the place you're the only one that knows maybe you just need to leave what that divorce what it did to you and what hurt you you're an unlikely harvester you're going to meet Jesus today
some of you, some of you brought it down last week and you, you put your jar down and then you turned around and you picked it back up again. And you've laid it down before and then you pick it back up again because you think you need to be in charge of it. When in reality, let him be in charge of your life. And it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how long you've been with God. It doesn't matter what's going on. I know he's going to heal today. You an unlikely harvester. It's just one. Even if it's just one unlikely harvester. 
and God heals. But the first response was to put down the jar. He didn't tell her to put down the jar. She put down the jar because the supply line was standing right in front of her. And when she realized it and her eyes opened to it, the living water that you'll never thirst again. So she knew when she tasted and seen that he was good. And you know what's interesting? It said, it said that they believed because of her testimony. See, sometimes we don't open up our mouths anymore about our testimony and about what God's doing and how he's been doing things. Sometimes we just leave it to ourselves. When it could open up another door for somebody else. But when they ran from the city and came to the well, they turned around and looked at her and said, we believe because you said it, but now we believe because we saw him. They had their own testimony to do what they needed to do. Then they would run into their city and they would run into their family. They would run into their school. They would run into their job. See, it's a domino effect. And I'm going to ask this question, and I know God's healing right now. I know that if you'll just lay it down, there's little things. There might be big things, big things that maybe think that you think it is. And here's Jesus watching her come down and saying, oh, there she is. She's the unlikely one. She's the one that's going to go do it. But as I was pondering and as I was sitting before God and he said you need to ask them if they want this living water is it bubbling up in you like a well of salvation is it the joy of the Lord that's given you strength is it really the well of salvation has it been unlocked in you is it contagious to everybody that's around? Is it spilling over? I tasted and I seen that he was good. And I'm going to ask this question. Do you want this living water? Show a hand. Do you want this living water? Do you want his living water? Rushing Argentine water that's running out of your belly, spilling everywhere that it needs to be spilled. And some of you, you've tasted that before. and You've had that in your belly before. But it hasn't been running like it's supposed to be running. And it's not been open like it's supposed to be. Come on, somebody.
I want you to come. You that raised your hands, I'm telling you that I know, that I know, that I know that you're going to come to a well of salvation. And I'm not talking about, okay, well, I need to get my heart. No, no, no. I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to run to a city if you didn't taste it? I'm going to wait for just a minute. If you raised your hand and you need to come, I want you to come. Because God's getting ready to shift some things. I don't know about you, but I want the water that never runs dry. I want a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to run into a city. I want people to follow me to Jesus. Jesus.